0: There's, there's a lot of development happening across Africa with infrastructure development. So new roads are made you know, every every month. And in a place like Rwanda, which is even moving at a faster pace, there'll be new roads, there'll be places to uh, ways into informal settlements and being able to rely on a tech solution to bring a driver to a specific location on a map or have the user do that was way more challenging than than we anticipated. So eventually we had an idea. What if we took users at random, brought them to the office and didn't tell them what we were doing, set them up in an office with a a remote camera and a list of of tasks and a facilitator in the room, and just let us watch them and see what, what is happening. And I remember being so humbled by that experience because I realized at that moment that we were disrespecting our users because a lot of people would see the design in front of them and they were unable to complete very basic tasks. And when we would have conversations with them afterwards, they would feel embarrassed or they would feel that you know they weren't able to figure it out. And that is the most terrible thing you can do when you've designed a product that makes somebody feel embarrassed, you know, because they can't figure it out. So I think that if you go out of your way to really try to observe the users, and if you can in context, you will notice that there's a lot of things in their environment that you, you, cannot, you cannot observe in a lab.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Green, a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Welcome to Understanding Users. In this podcast series, I chat with digital experts from a variety of disciplines, including user research, UX and service design, development and product management. And there's even a founder or two. I talk to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way, And the challenges they face in designing and building digital products and services with users in mind. And while many of these conversations are recorded remotely, I'm also keen to get out into the wild and meet my guests face to face where possible. So, in some episodes, you'll hear me prowling the corridors of UX conferences in different parts of the globe to get the views of speakers and attendees alike. These are intended to be relaxed, informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences. So, sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to announce that Understanding Users has a sponsor. Have you or your team ever struggled with getting the right types of users at the right time to speak to in your research? Have you wasted hours emailing to and fro with research participants trying to find a convenient time to speak to them? And after all that, have you found yourself speaking to the wrong type of participants for your product, or worse, simply have participants fail to show up at all to a scheduled research session? Well... Ribbon is a continuous research platform that lets organisations do user interviews and in-product surveys in real time with customers as they use your website or apps. User researchers, product designers and product managers all use Ribbon to quickly and effectively validate product decisions with real users, helping them build products that attract and retain more customers. Ribbon is an end-to-end research platform, helping you target participants within your product, manage research incentives, run surveys and interviews, and store and share your findings. To start running in-product user interviews or surveys today, head to ribbonapp.com to get started with a free trial. Links are in the show notes. Peter Karayuki is a software engineer and entrepreneur and was the co-founder of the startup SafeMotos, a motorcycle ride-sharing solution in Rwanda. In this episode, Peter and I talk about the context of digital design in Africa, how mobile phone coverage in Rwanda affected early design decisions within the SafeMotos app, and his belief in the positive role that exponentially growing smartphone usage across Africa can have on solving serious societal problems. Finally, he plays my three-card challenge to share his favourite UX tool, favourite technique, and a trend he sees in the future. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So this time I'm speaking with Peter Karayuki, who is a software engineer and entrepreneur who's very passionate about digital innovation, and he's going to be one of the keynote speakers at the Kai 23 uh, conference in, in Hamburg uh, at the end of April in 2023, and uh, it's great to have a chance to chat to him. So hi, Peter. Welcome to the show, and, and thanks for talking to me.
0: Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to our conversation.
1: And... Uh, Peter, you you were telling me just before we started that you're you're talking to me from Kenya. Is that
0: right? Uh, that's correct. I'm in a place called Watamu, which is in the uh, in the south uh, of Kenya. Um, F- fantastic.
1: And we'll come on um, in a minute to talk about the the keynote, if that's okay, and kind of you, uh, your your what you're going to be talking about at the conference. But I guess first, it would be really interesting to hear a little bit about. Um, what you're up to at the moment, because you're you I believe you're a founder of of a ride, uh, hailing ride, ride sharing app called um, Safe Motors. Is that right?
0: Yes. Uh, so that was uh, my previous startup. Um, uh, at the moment, I'm actually working on uh, something very exciting, uh, which I'm, I'm I'm happy to share. Um, but also, um, I doing Safe Motors was mainly on ride hailing. Uh, focusing on uh, Rwanda and the DRC uh, as well.
1: Brilliant. So, so tell me about the kind of the genesis of that. How did you come up with the idea? How did you go about kind of creating it? How did you involve um, others in, in, in the kind of the process of building and designing and launching it?
0: The idea of uh, making safe models was actually pretty organic. So I had uh, moved uh, into Rwanda, which is um, a really uh, amazing place because it's uh, in most of Africa, the cities are normally busy and uh, active and you're you're not supposed to go there. Whilst Rwanda was completely different. But one of the things that is uh, pretty common across most African cities is that you get around by motorcycle taxis. This is because there isn't that effective of a public transportation network. And the most effective way to get from point to point is by motorcycle taxis. So one time uh, while I'm in Rwanda, I was meeting my business partner uh, to be uh, for a drink and I had just come off a motorcycle. And I just talked to him and I said, I wish there was a way in which you could know the quality of the driver before you hopped onto their bike, because the way it works is you go to the street and you flag somebody down and then you go with him. You have no idea who they are, you know, no idea of their track record. And so it just started with that idea that, you know, what if we could, you know, know the quality of the driver before uh, you got onto the ride. And, you know, kind of from that spark, There was a lot of ideas of, you know, let's put sensors in the helmets, you know, let's track them by a satellite. And eventually uh, we settled on uh, a smartphone because a smartphone has a lot of the sensors that you require, that you need to measure uh, the driving behavior. So that was the idea of how Safe Motors got started. It was just, you know, by accident, you know, pretty organically.
1: Right. That, that's fascinating. And is it uh, a payment uh, system as well? Or is it primarily for, as you say, measuring the kind of quality of the driver?
0: Yes. So at the, at the beginning, uh, when we made Safe Motors, it was mostly about ride hailing. So being able to request a ride and uh, having some confidence on who the driver was uh, later on, as we grew the, the product, we realized that in order to make it's, uh, the experience seamless for both the rider and the driver, we need to work on payment solutions. And that uh, led us into developing uh, a wallet uh, from which users could top up their money. And that kind of grew into a product that was used for settlements between drivers, settlements between companies and their employees. Uh, as well and yeah so because of the nature of the transactions they're frequent and um and and a lot of them are happening so we just had to make uh, payments to be a part of the uh, of the solution right
1: and you talked just then about the experience of of the person hailing and and the driver as well i'm interested to know with with the you know user experience hat on how, uh, how did you go about kind of developing, you know, taking it from, from an idea through to a working product? In terms, I'm thinking in terms of things like user research, understanding the needs of the users and, and, and improving the, the, the offering based on what you were learning. Just, just talk me through that.
0: Yeah, so once, once we had an idea, we had to go ahead and, and you know, think about how to, to make the products. And uh, one of the things uh, we did uh, pretty early on was, of course, to interview our, our colleagues. Um, so this was something that everybody does. And we were just trying to find out what their experiences were um, with, with the bright hailing and the experiences with other uh, technology systems. And really, the goal was to try to empathize with what people were going through, and one of the things that really uh, came out of uh, that meeting that really surprised me was that kind of going into this, uh, we did know that, you know, motorcycles, taxis, you know, on top of them being very popular, they're also very dangerous, and this is, um, you know, as I came to find out, you know, one of the most common reasons for going to an emergency room and while speaking to you know to potential users and doing research one of the things that really stood out was that everybody seemed to know somebody who had you know been in an accident or was robbed or was in a bad situation and that was really shocking because it seemed like this was a really prevalent problem and mm-hmm. and that's it that letters to you know, re-emphasize uh, the message on we need to ensure that you know drivers are safe, and you know this is just not coming from the from the users' perspective. Uh, speaking to the drivers and trying to understand uh, how they were going about their day, I was shocked by some of the things we found out. You know, such as extremely long hours. You know, cons- you know long times in between rides where you are you know sitting idle. And so there was a lot of there was a lot of issues uh, I, I, identified, and uh, I guess one last thing was early on was also kind of respecting that these kinds of solutions were pretty uh, early, and a lot of our users were not used to you know the idea of you know hailing a ride or you know reading a map, and that was some of the insights that we had and. For us, it was uh, an inspiration to think about how we could design the system to really fit uh, our user base.
1: Right. So, so the users are essentially the the riders of the motorbikes themselves, and the and the passengers essentially those hailing the the motorbikes. Is that right?
0: Yes, that's correct. So it's it's a two sided two sided market, and eventually became you know a multiple sides. But uh, at the core of it is, of course, you need the service providers who are the drivers. And then the the customers, and then you have to you know there's a lot of things you have to think about about how do you make sure that every time a user wants to get a ride they can get one, and how do you keep the drivers happy so that they they keep using the technology and it doesn't slip their mind or you know fall down their uh, their priority list.
1: That that yeah, what a fascinating a uh, challenge. And thinking about you know location specific. I suppose, issues, what well, I'm, I'm interested to know compared to developing such an app, I mean, Uber is the obvious example in, in you know, Northern Europe and, and and North America. What would you say that the, the challenges were for you uh, in terms of the African context uh, that made, you know, that were particular to what you were working on in that area, that part of the world?
0: At, at the core of, of a ride hailing solution is uh, routing and, and mapping. And that was one of the biggest challenges that, that we faced. Uh, the fact that a lot of maps were not up to date and were not in context to how people use the roads. So for example, there's, there's a lot of development happening across Africa with infrastructure development. So new roads are made you know, every, every month. And in a place like Rwanda, which was even moving at a faster pace, There will be new roads, there will be places to uh, ways into informal settlements. And being able to rely on a tech solution to bring a driver to a specific location on a map or have the user do that was way more challenging than than we anticipated. And this kind of goes all the way into the experience uh, of both parties, because if, for example, a driver was matched with a customer, and the estimated time of arrival was, was estimated to be too short, was too optimistic. That means the driver spent so much time getting to the customer and the customer was waited a long time and that it re- in- increases the inefficiencies uh, of the whole system. On top of that is uh, a div- the very simple idea was that somebody could drop a pin into a place and we could navigate uh, a driver or service to where they are but that turned out to be more challenging uh, in a place uh we're gonna dwell on rwanda but it's very hilly so you can have a road that is 10 meters away uh, in terms of a, as, a, as a crow flies but it's gonna be you know 15 minutes to go around so if the GPS window or the, the, the specificity of the directions just missed by a little bit, then you are adding extreme wait times. So there was these kinds of challenges based on the fact that a lot of, uh, a lot of map and mapping data was not up to date and uh, as well as just challenges in developing a real time solution that requires a certain degree of accuracy uh, of navigation.
1: Right, and what about mobile phone coverage? Is is it uh, in terms of kind of the areas you were mapping? Was was coverage generally pretty good?
0: So at the beginning, I will never forget this. We were at a pitch a meeting in uh, in London, and everybody asked us, "Is there anybody with a smartphone uh, over there?" And what is at, at, at that time, you know, smartphones were starting to become you know ubiquitous, and there was you know hundred dollar smartphones that were pretty decent. And so that was that was changing, and that, uh, at the beginning that was very exciting to have a lot of people uh, on smartphones. You know, to your uh, question, the next uh, challenge was of course coverage and you know data. And you know, you can have data coverage, but is it uh, consistent? Is it efficient? You know, so we had a lot of issues where a driver will be en route, and then the data connectivity would cut out. And then unable to get to where they were supposed to. On top of that, a lot of how people use um, inter- mobile internet uh, in Africa is prepaid bundles, where you will purchase a bundle ahead of time to give you a certain amount of megabytes. And that is, and it can be and was a headache in how you you can top up and expensive uh, at the same time. And in places where. Uh, again, there is physical barriers. you would uh, you would find zones where there wasn't coverage at all. So you'd get blind spots. So a lot of the design decisions uh, in the technology had to be updated to take into fact that you know we're going into these pockets of uh, low data coverage. And there was a lot of interesting uh, moments and uh, ideas that we experimented with uh, to try to get around this. But one of the really exciting things right now uh, on the African continent is that data coverage has increased a lot. Uh, in many of the places today, you will not have a problem. You will have multiple networks that will cover a certain area. And that is really exciting coming back from, you know, back then until now. It's great to see the progress.
1: If you were to kind of sum up your experience of of safe motos, uh you know, and kind of one lesson that you would you wish you'd known, something you'd know, you wish you'd known at the beginning, what would you say?
0: It's, it's a really interesting question to, to to sum it up into you know into into one into one uh, aspect. Would say, I think we we found out at the beginning we were trying to make decisions and design decisions to be to be very on point to what we were seeing on the ground, but I don't think we went far enough. In terms of really empathizing with the users and understanding the the various contexts in which people uh, were, were using our services, and this is in um, you know some of the lessons uh, we came to learn, which I'm, you know I'm happy to discuss, was even after doing a lot of these designs that were influenced a lot by what we would see uh, you know more in a Western market, we came to find out how far off the mark we were in terms of how we were presenting this uh, design, the solutions to where we, where we were. And also was, you know, one of the things that, you know, assumptions that you make uh, at the very beginning that we assumed that because safety was such a strong uh, issue that people would automatically want to use the service that provided them with safer drivers. But later on, came to find out that people valued more convenience because they weren't thinking about safety in the moment. They're just thinking, "I need to get somewhere right now," and so th- there is a lot of, I think, there's a lot of lessons to be to be unpacked from 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 that from that experience. But I think you cannot go. Uh, this this you can keep going further in terms of how you observe the users and how you design the the product to be. Really respectful of, of who, who they are at the moment
1: and, and that's a really interesting point that the last point you made there I'm, you know I, I tend to ask all my guests how in your view can product teams design teams keep the, the needs of the users the user, users in this case in mind as they're developing and building products?
0: Um, yes uh, absolutely. How would product teams keep their users in mind? I would, one of the most impactful moments of my uh, career uh, at at Safe Motors was we were looking at funnels, uh, uh, user funnels on a dashboard and trying to see how people were navigating between screens in our application. And we noticed that we had a lot of people who would sign up, but we had very few people who would perform the next action. That was very puzzling because people kind of went out of their way to create an account, they must want to understand what this is, but why aren't they taking the next step? And by doing a lot of the surveys online, ETC, we weren't finding a definitive answer that would tell us why this was happening. So eventually we had an idea. What if we took users at random, brought them to the office and didn't tell them what we were doing, set them up in an office with a, a remote camera and the list of list of tasks and a facilitator in the room and just let us watch them and see what, what is happening. And I remember being so humbled by that experience because I realized at that moment that we were disrespecting our users. Because a lot of people would see the design in front of them and they were unable to complete very basic tasks. And when we would have conversations with them afterwards. They would feel embarrassed, or they would feel that you know they weren't able to figure it out, and that is the most terrible thing you can do when you've designed a product that makes somebody feel embarrassed, you know, because they can't figure it out. So I think that if you go out of your way to really try to observe the users, and if you can, in context, you will notice that there's a lot of things in their environment that you you cannot you cannot observe in a lab. I think that's what the real goal is, is, you know, seeing a, a number of people come in and being unable to complete the same tasks, just told us, you know, in non uncertain terms that we were, that our design or the way we were approaching it was not respecting our user base.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Usability testing like that is 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 absolutely critical, isn't it, as you say? And, and moving on now to, you, you mentioned something you're working on at the moment. Just tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Absolutely. So one of the most exciting things from, uh, from, from Safe Motors on the driver side was, so we had the smartphones and we would track the drivers that are driving all day and we would get them scores on various metrics. So, you know, how hard do you brake? Are you sticking to the speed limits? You know, all those kinds of metrics we would display them onto their side so they could see specific violations or places they they could improve. So we decided at some point that we wanted to experiment something new, which was interventions. So if a driver came in and they had consistently low scores, instead of kicking them out of the system, let's get a driver who has a high score and pair them together so that they can you know, he can explain how he maintains his cause high. And it was amazing how well that worked because immediately after such interventions, people would, the drivers would just drive more safely. So I've been really excited about this area of data-driven interventions. And my interest has turned into, you know, into public health. Uh, so one of the rising rising challenges uh, here in Kenya is uh, non-communicable diseases. So these are your, you know, your diabetes, hypertension, yeah, ETC. Uh, you know, the WHO classifies them as lifestyle diseases. But what is what is a lot of good research has, uh, has, has been written on specific interventions that you can make um, to people at the right time that would help them either better manage their condition or avoid if they're at risk. So I have partnered with a, with a doctor uh, and we're uh, doing this together uh, with the hope of creating a, a platform that can help people either manage or uh, prevent uh, an incommunicable disease.
1: Mm. So your experience with Safe Motos kind of triggered certain areas of interest, which have led you on to this, this next piece of work. Is that, is that fair to say?
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And, you know, the experience with, you know, with Safe Motors was one, uh, realizing how the power of technology in terms of, you know, how you can quickly impact a lot of people's lives, because it just scales. And also, just the the, the power of uh, data driven behavior change, where if you present the right information to somebody at the right time, you can change their behavior. And, um, you know, whether it's, you know, becoming a better driver, or, improving uh, your, your health outcomes.
1: And tell me a little bit about, um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, you're going to be giving the keynote at the, the upcoming Kai 23 uh, conference in, in Hamburg. Tell me a little bit about kind of, if you don't mind, what you're going to be talking about and what lessons you'd like those attending to take away from your from your keynote.
0: Uh, I'm really excited for uh, for Kai uh, coming up and uh, what I would like to, to, to speak about mainly would be to paint some color on just how the context of designing for, uh, for, for Africa and um, you know because Africa is where I understand and there are a lot of challenges here uh, which are uh, in my opinion opportunities waited to be you know to be tapped into however when you're designing a digital product for this continent, you just have to keep in mind that a lot of design best practices from elsewhere might not transfer here. And you just have to respect the context of how technology is used. And I wanna share my experience and the lessons that I've learned in in launching such products. And also as an invitation for, um, for anyone who wants to, you know, come have fun at, you know, you know tackling some, some serious challenges uh, to come up.
1: You know, how, how do you see the future of digital transformation kind of more broadly uh, in the context of Africa?
0: I, I think one of the most exciting, you know, light scale transformation that is happening on the continent is just how everybody is on a smartphone. Everybody is on a smartphone uh, that is connected and that is just growing more and more. This is just the most exciting thing because at the beginning, unfortunately, people would get the smartphones to, to be on social media or you know just to, to have it. But now, because of this, uh, in the last few years, there's a lot of really useful solutions to serious problems that are being deployed uh, acro- ac- across this. And the smartphone is becoming a utility, uh, a tool, a lot of services and you know there's been a lot of effort uh, as you mentioned you know uh, a lot of uh, governments here as well are trying to move services online and that is you know that is a transformation that is happening but on the other hand i think uh, with the combination of just the entrepreneur spirit and and problem solving mindset that a lot of uh, africans have if you're able to you know utilize a smartphone to deliver a solution and you know you make it fit for purpose you can reach so many people and you can impact so many people uh, in an instant
1: there's just one final thing i'd like to do with you if i may and that is um and that is the three card challenge which i do with with all my guests so i've got here uh, peter three playing cards and i'm going to put you on the spot here but on the back of each i've written either technique trend or tool and uh, what i'd like you to do is just to pick one and then one at a time, just. Give me your favorite um, technique, trend, or tool that you uh, maybe use in your day-to-day work, or that you've kind of used in the past. Does that sound okay?
0: Okay, J of Spades.
1: Okay, so the Jack of Spades. So the, what I've written on the back is technique. So what's your maybe thinking back to, to Save Moto's of the work you're working, you, you know, what you're working on at the moment? What's your favorite technique in 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 terms of maybe you know user experience, maybe design, maybe you know thinking about the product. Um, maybe something more broad, but in terms of your day-to-day work?
0: One of my uh, favorite technique uh, in my day-to-day work is uh, creating very simple but convincing prototypes uh, that I can very quickly share with somebody else and preferably let them use it and I watch uh, what they do. And that saved me a lot of hours of, uh, of you know, bad designs that I could have, you know, developed. But it's uh, rapid prototyping is my uh, technique to show.
1: Sure. Right. And, and out of interest, what tools do you use for that?
0: Yes, it's, it's very exciting times, actually, because there is a lot of uh, low-code tools that you can use to create those kinds of flows. Uh, currently, I am really excited about a tool called Flutterflow. And uh, sometimes I also use Figma, um, but I like to design interactive prototypes, especially for apps that I can very quickly spin up and test uh, with people around me.
1: Two more cards. The Ace of Hearts. Ace of Hearts is a tool. So we've talked about rapid prototyping, maybe another uh, a tool that you use, something that you use in your in your work that you, that you like or find useful or is your kind of go-to. I,
0: w- I will say that a tool that I found very, uh, very uh, interesting uh, to use has been uh, Jupyter Notebooks, and the reason I, I, I bring this up is because of being able to get meaning out of data that I'm, I'm collecting, especially when I am, you know, doing research that involves a large number of people. I find that a lot of the interesting trends I can dig into by, you know, writing some code and, you know, doing some analysis. And I always find, you know, interesting nuggets, you know, hiding uh, in, in there.
1: And the last one, Queen of Diamond. So Queen of Diamond. A trend. So think of a trend you see um, in your work or more broadly in terms of digital.
0: I have been really excited by the recent developments in Uh, you know, machine learning, uh, especially around uh, large language models. I think away from the hype of the news, they present real utility in terms of things that you can do. And some of the most exciting things have been these kinds of models trained on medical question and answer, you know, other kind of domain-specific purposes. And I think that you know it's not just about chatting but it's about the utility that surrounds uh, a technology and i'm really excited to see how what kind of applications uh, come out of this that are that leverage the fact that we can have models that can model kind of knowledge and language to, to a very uh, high degree of accuracy
1: that's been great thank you so much uh, peter for taking the time to talk to me i'm i'm even more uh, excited now to hear your talk at Kai uh, at the end of the month. But um, where can people find out more about you?
0: I I have I've shared a link to to my website uh, on the on the Kai Kai website, and uh, I, I'm I'm on LinkedIn so we can connect there.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Understanding Users podcast. I hope you found something of interest that you can take away and use in your own organization. And special thanks to my guest Peter Karyuki. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Links are in the show notes. You can find out more about our sponsor Ribbon and their rapid continuous research platform at ribbonapp.com. Links are also in the show notes. Join me again next time when I'll be talking to another experienced digital professional and asking them to share their wisdom, tips and knowledge. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.